took this opportunity of the long weekend to go see Bonnie's dad, which is uh, a good thing for them to do. Uh, they've been very faithful in being in church and Bonnie doing music every Sunday, so don't begrudge them a break by any means, but that leaves you with me, that's what I'm, I'm trying to say. So. <laughs> you won't be clapping up, Rhonda. <laughs> okay, we'll sing uh, uh, two songs right back to back. Uh, we will glorify and then thou art worthy. So if you're using the hymn books, it's number 72 right over to number 73. Uh, if you're using your hymn books. Uh, I think the words will be on the screen though if, uh, <laughs> if Curtis can find them in the computer. <laughs> We will glorify the King of Kings. We will glorify the Lamb. We will glorify the Lord of Lords, who is the great I Am. Lord Jehovah reigns in majesty. We will bow before Well, good morning, everyone. 
Good morning. <laughs> that wasn't very good. Good morning. Good morning. A little bit. <laughs> a little bit better. Ah, welcome to church this morning. It's good to have you all here. I feel notice. Winter hasn't gone away yet. <laughs> it's probably going to be here for a little bit longer. But, uh, yeah, thanks to all for coming out. So, if you would mind, or not mind, opening up your bulletins this morning, and we will once again read the call to worship together. <coughs> it's from Psalm 103. Let's read. Let all that I am praise the Lord with my whole heart. I will praise His holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things He does for me. That's a good reminder that we yeah, may never forget the good things He does for me, for us. Uh, I had the pleasure of attending the Remembrance Day service on Friday there. And Glenn spoke a, a, good, a good little sermon on remembrance and just remembering what, uh, how good God is to us and how, uh, how we have to remember through, through trials and, and difficult times that uh, it's always good to remember that and, and to reflect on it and then, just, and then just to use that to remember how good He is to us. So, yeah. If you'd just like to bow with me this morning. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you that we can once again freely meet here, Lord, of our own free will to come and to worship you and give you the praise and glory you deserve, Lord. Thank you that you've provided us with a building and a pastor who, who, who enjoys and, and loves to speak from your word, Lord, and to teach us what we, need to, uh, what we need to hear. So we just thank you for these opportunities, Lord. Thank you for everyone that came out here this morning. And I uh, just pray that we will uh, we'll give you the glory in this service here this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. So, I will also be doing the scripture reading this morning. Once again, coming from the book of Acts. Acts chapter 16, verses 35 to 40. <clears throat> Acts 16, 35 to 40. And I will be reading from the NIV. <clears throat> when it was daylight, the magistrates sent their officers to the jailer with the order, Release those men. The jailer told Paul, The magistrates have ordered that you and Silas be released. Now you can leave. Go in peace. But Paul said to the officers, They beat us publicly without a trial even though we are Roman citizens, and threw us into prison. And now do they want to get rid of us quietly? No, let them come themselves and escort us out. The officers reported this to the magistrates, and when they heard that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens, they were alarmed. They came to appease them and escorted them from the prison, requesting them to leave the city. After Paul and Silas came out of the prison, they went to Lydia's house where they met with the brothers and sisters and encouraged them. Then they left. 
Thanks, Jeremy. So, as we prepare our hearts to hear what God is going to say to us through this passage, let's, uh, let's just bow in prayer and ask him to guide our thoughts. But God, this passage of scripture is here in the Bible for a reason, and uh, Lord, I pray that you would help us to learn what we need to learn from it as we, uh, as we go through it this morning. And uh, Lord, the thoughts that you have given me as I prepared this, I trust are from you, and uh, as we share them, help us, Lord, to all get a handle on what what the application is for us today as we as we look at this at this event that took place in the life of Paul and Silas and help us to learn from it and Lord as we do that as we open ourselves up to you I I just ask that uh, we would be fed from your word this morning we ask in your name amen So, kind of an interesting title for the sermon this morning. I don't know if you opened your bulletin to read the title of the sermon or not, but... Wisdom and Rights. People in general seem to be all about rights these days. <laughs> all about their rights. I came across a humorous piece about rights that I thought I'd share with you to start off. It's a story that was related by a grandmother who was observing her five-year-old granddaughter uh, play with her toys. And this five-year-old granddaughter was staging a wedding. But apparently she got the wedding ceremony mixed up with some other things that she obviously had heard along the ways. So this is how it went. Um, she first played the role of the mother <laughs> who assigned all the specific duties to all the characters involved. Uh, and then she suddenly became the bride with her groom, which was her teddy bear. That was the groom. And, uh, so she, and she was the bride then. And then so she picked him up and she then went and said to the, to the minister... <laughs> who was presiding over the wedding, uh, she said to the minister, now you can read us your, our rights. <laughs> and then without missing a beat, she became the minister and said, you have the right to remain silent. <laughs> Anything you may say may be held against you. <laughs> you have the right to have an attorney present. <laughs> You may kiss the bride. <laughs> and I thought, wow. <laughs> By getting those things mixed up, she said a lot more <laughs> than she realized. <laughs> yeah. But the sermon isn't just about rights. Uh, it's also about wisdom. So here's some humor about wisdom. Richard was a wise old man. He had retired and he had bought a modest home near a junior high school and he spent the first few weeks of his retirement in peace and quiet and contentment, just the way he wanted it. Uh, but then the school year started. And uh, that very next afternoon, three young boys full of 
youthful after-school enthusiasm came down the street beating merrily on every trash can there was there that they encountered on the street and back alley and whatever. And uh, so that crashing every day when they walk home from school, they'd crash on all, they'd beat on all these trash cans. Until finally Richard decided it was time to take some action. And so the next afternoon he walked out to meet the young percussionists as they banged their way down the street. And she, he stopped them and said, uh, you kids are a lot of fun. <laughs> I like to see you express your exuberance like that. In fact, I used to do the same thing when I was a kid. When I was your age. Will you do me a favor? I'll give you each a dollar if you promise to come around every day and do your thing and beat on the trash cans. <laughs> and the kids were elated. And so they continued just to do a bang-up job every day on the trash cans and getting their dollar <laughs> for doing it. So after a few days of that, the old-timer greeted the kids again. But this time he had a bit of a sad smile on his face. And he said, you know, this recession is really putting a big dent in my income. He said, I'll, uh, from now on, I'll only be able to pay you 50 cents to beat on the cans. And the noisemakers were obviously a little displeased, but they accepted the offer, and they continued their afternoon ruckus of beating the cans and getting their 50 cents. And a few days later, Richard, the wily old retiree, come <laughs> approached them again as they drummed their way down the street. And he said, look, he said, I, I haven't received my Social Security check uh, or old age pension, I guess, in our turn, uh, yet. And so I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to be able to give you any more than 25 cents anymore. Uh, would that be okay? And the, and the kid said, what? Only a lousy quarter? If you think we're going to waste our time beating these cans for a quarter, you're nuts. No way, mister. We quit. <laughs> and so Richard, the wise old man, enjoyed peace and tranquility <laughs> for the rest of his days. So there's some wisdom for you. <laughs> Any discussion about rights needs to include some good wisdom. The passage we come to today is a passage about rights and appealing to our rights, but also includes wisdom in doing that. And like I said, it's kind of an interesting sermon. I doubt if I would have ever deliberately decided to dedicate a sermon to this subject. Maybe I should have, but I probably wouldn't have. But that's what comes out of the passage that we come to today. That passage Jeremy just read, Acts 16, 35 to 40. It's the aftermath of the story that we looked at last week. In the first 34 verses of chapter 16. So those of you who were here last week, you'll remember that. Uh, just for those of you who maybe weren't here last week, and just by a quick reminder, those first 34 verses in Acts 16 record Paul and Silas, and now they have Timothy and Luke with them as well, they arrived at the city of Philippi in the Roman province of Macedonia. They met a group of women by the river who were God worshippers, and they shared the message of Jesus with them, the gospel. And one of them, Lydia, uh, believed the message. Well, there's probably a number that did, but Lydia singled out because uh, she extended hospitality to Paul and Silas and asked them to come and stay at her house for the time that they were there in Philippi. And so they continued to meet by the river, it seems like every day, they would go there to the river to meet with uh, fellow God worshippers, and we assume Paul and Silas would have been speaking and sharing the gospel with them, all those who met there. And in the course of them walking from Lydia's house to the meeting place by the river day by day, they encountered a demon-possessed slave girl who kept calling out, These men are servants of the Most High God who are proclaiming to you the way of salvation. Um, 
And that was true. It was probably some good advertising for Paul and Silas, except she was demon-possessed and she was being used by her masters. She was a slave girl. She's being used by her master because she, with the aid of this demon, was a fortune teller. And so they made a lot of money out of her because she could tell fortunes. And so finally Paul and had had enough of this and uh, greatly annoyed by what was going on, probably more annoyed by the, by the abuse of this girl <laughs> than anything else, but he, he, by the name of Jesus, cast the demon out of her. Well, that made their masters very upset because that, now their source of income was gone. And so they dragged Paul and Silas before the city officials and accused them of some outlandish charges about these foreigners coming to the city and making a big ruckus and, and throwing the city into confusion and they're teaching things that are not lawful for Romans. That was just a you know, pretty wild claim, pretty outlandish claims. Uh, but a mob started forming against Paul and Silas and so the city officials had them stripped and beaten, thrown into jail with the instructions to the jailer to guard them securely. But about midnight that night, Paul and Silas were sitting there with their feet in the stocks, in the dungeon, they're praying and singing praises to God. When an earthquake hit, the doors of the prison were opened, and their chains fell off, and the jailer, when he realized what had happened, he was about to kill himself. He assumed, when he saw the open doors, that all the prisoners had escaped, and so he had facing all the death penalty because he had not kept his prison secure. Um, and Paul stopped him, though, and assured him that everyone was still there, and so the upshot of that was that Paul and Silas shared the gospel message with his, with his jailer and his whole household. They were all saved, they are all baptized, and there was much rejoicing in that house. So that's the first 34 verses of chapter 16. Verses 35 now, to the end of chapter 16, is the, is the aftermath of that. And that's what we want to look at today. So let's first go through this passage, just a very few short verses, and uh, then we'll look at the application. So verse 35, when morning came, the city officials, they're called here in my translation, the chief magistrates, um, they sent their policemen to instruct the jailer to let these men go, uh, meaning Paul and Silas. Maybe the magistrates thought that they had been punished enough, and uh, one night in being, well, being beaten, and then one night in jail was probably punishment enough, decided to let them go, or maybe... They had a change of heart during the night and realized that they had overstepped their bounds last night in having them beaten and jailed without a trial. We're not told, but anyway, the instructions were to let these men go. So the instructions were given to the jailer, and this jailer, now we met him last week, he's now a fellow Christian. <laughs> um, but anyway, he came to Paul and Silas and told them that they had been released, they were now free to go, and so he said, you know, go in peace. But Paul said... Whoa, not so fast. Uh, verse 37. It says, well, note that it says that Paul spoke to them. So it's a plural. So it seems likely to me that the policemen were there with the jailer as Paul gave his answer. He said, no, not so fast. They beat us in public without a trial. We who are Roman citizens, and now they want to send us away secretly? <laughs> no. No, they, those city magistrates, they can come down here themselves and they can escort us out publicly. As Roman citizens, they had certain rights. One of them was the right to a fair trial. 
and also the exemption, the right to an exemption from degrading forms of punishment. Those are rights granted to Roman citizens by the Roman, Roman government. Those rights had been violated. So Paul appealed to those rights and made the demand that he did. So the policeman went back and told the chief magistrate what Paul had said. Verse 38. When they heard that they were Roman citizens, they were afraid. Some translations read, they were dismayed. <laughs> I suppose they were. <laughs> that thought never even crossed their minds yesterday. They were just a couple of Jews causing trouble. They never once guessed that they were actual Roman citizens. So that put these city magistrates in a very awkward position. If this got out to higher authority, they would not be coming out of this looking very good. We could ask, perhaps, why didn't Paul and Silas tell them yesterday, before they were beaten and thrown into jail, that they were Roman citizens? Well, remember, there was a mob that had come together with them. It was likely a chaotic scene, and in that chaos, they likely never got a chance to even speak. Or if they did try to tell the people that they were or the magistrates that they were Roman citizens, perhaps their voices were drowned out by the shoutings of the mob, and the magistrates never heard them. So, lots of speculation, we could just guess at that, but th those could be possible reasons. So anyway, with egg all over their faces, the city magistrates went down to the jail, they apologized to them, different translations say different things there, and some, at least one or two translations that I read, did, does say they apologized to Paul and Silas for what they had done to them, they publicly escorted them out of the jail, and it sounds like while they were doing that, they kept asking them or begging them to please leave the city. They wanted these guys out of here and the whole thing forgotten about before any word of this got out. So Paul and Silas then, they went to Lydia's house, where it sounds like all the new Christians who had been saved during Paul and Silas' ministry while he was there in Philippi, they all seemed to gather there at Lydia's house. Uh, or at this particular occasion, had gathered at Lydia's house, and Paul and Silas went there, he encouraged those believers, and then they went on their way and left the city. So that's the story of these verses. It's about Paul and Silas' rights being violated, and them appealing to those rights, and it's also about some wisdom in doing that. So let's take a look at the application. As Christians, we need godly wisdom in appealing to our rights that our society grants us. And we can better understand how to do this by learning from the examples here in this passage. Acts 16, 35 to 40. So two things that come out to me as I looked at this and studied it. So the first thing that came out to me, the first example I see here, is that it isn't wrong. It isn't wrong to appeal to the rights our society gives us. It isn't wrong to appeal to the rights our society gives us. <coughs> As we've seen, Paul and Silas were Roman citizens. Now, remember, at this time, the Roman Empire was huge. Uh, Rome had conquered a lot of different countries around the Mediterranean Sea, up into Western Europe, and the other way down into Asia. Israel was one of those countries, obviously, that had been conquered. And so all that was now under Roman control and Roman rule. 
But just because you were under Roman control and rule, that did not make you an official Roman citizen. So there are a lot of people from all these captured and conquered countries that, who are part of the Roman Empire, but were not actual Roman citizens. You were either born a Roman citizen, or you could purchase Roman citizenship. If you could manage to afford the price of Roman citizenship, then you could become a Roman citizenship, you could purchase that, and then your children then, who were born after that, uh, would be granted Roman citizenship upon their birth. So they would become Roman citizens by birth, those children. Now we do know that, Roman, that uh, Paul was born a Roman citizen. If you look ahead to 22 verse 28, it tells us that, that Paul was born a Roman citizen. Um, so obviously his parents or grandparents some, at some point had purchased uh, Roman citizenship. How Silas acquired Roman citizenship, we aren't told how that came about. But they were both Roman citizens. <clears throat> and as Roman citizens, they had certain rights, as we've already seen. People who were not official Roman citizens had no such rights under Roman rule. They were kind of free game, if you like, uh, for the Roman soldiers and the police and the governors. But if you were a Roman citizen, you were protected by the rights that came with it. So as we've seen in this story, when they were arrested, Paul and Silas, and then without any trial, had them stripped and beaten with rods and thrown into jail, that was very much a violation of their rights. Obviously, the city magistrates just assumed they were Jewish troublemakers, never once considered that they could perhaps be actual Roman citizens. And so now, here in our story today, Paul appealed to those rights he had as a Roman citizen when they were released and asked to leave. He said, they publicly stripped us and beat us and threw us into jail without any trial, we who are Roman citizens, and now they want to release us secretly? <laughs> no, let them come themselves and publicly escort us out of prison. <laughs> so that was an appeal to their rights as Roman citizens. So what does that mean for us today? I think that's a pretty relevant question. We as Christians are starting to see the rights that our government has given us as Christians in the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms, we're starting to see them being eroded a bit. How do we as Christians respond to that? I think that's something right now that as Christians in general in Canada, we're trying to figure that out. Uh, and right now, there's a bit of disagreement among different Christians and different Christian organizations as to how to do that, or how to deal with this. The COVID pandemic, with all the guidelines that came with it, certainly brought that out, that difference of opinion and, and disagreements among Christians as to how to do that. So how should we respond when our rights are being violated? Well, Paul gives us an example here. And that example is that it's not wrong for Christians for us as Christians, to remind the authorities of our rights and appeal to those rights and ask that those rights be respected and upheld. That's not wrong to do that. When they're being violated, it's not wrong for us to say, whoa, we are Canadian citizens. We have rights under the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms. We ask that you treat us accordingly. That's not wrong to do that. 
So that's the first example we see from this passage. So that then brings up the next point. <laughs> Number two. We need to exercise godly wisdom in when to insist on our rights and when to let it slide. We need to exercise godly wisdom in when to insist on our rights and when to leave it be. If you're taking notes, it's... <laughs> let it slide, what I said first. That's not what I had written down here. So when to leave it be is what I had written down same thing. As I look at this whole story, I see on the one hand Paul appealing to their rights as Roman citizens, and then verses 39 to 40, I see Paul kind of letting their rights slide there and not insisting on his rights. Why did Paul and Silas and company leave Philippi when they were asked to without any argument? They had some new believers there in Philippi who just brand new Christians. They needed more teaching. They needed more grounding in the Christian faith. There obviously was an openness to the gospel there on the part of some there in Philippi. They were, people were responding to the gospel and coming to know Jesus as Savior. They weren't doing anything wrong in telling the people about Jesus. The city magistrates, by coming and apologizing to them and publicly escorting them out of the prison, basically were admitting that their rights had been violated and they admitted that Paul and Silas were doing nothing wrong. That act of theirs was, that, was an admission of that. So then why didn't Paul insist on the rights to say, no, we're not going to leave Philippi. We have a right to stay here and do what we're doing. There's nothing wrong with that. We're not doing anything wrong. We have the right to do that. But Paul didn't insist on that. He left. Why the difference? And this is where godly wisdom comes in. We need to remember that as Christians, that there is, while we have our rights, there's something bigger and more important at play than our rights. Protecting our rights and standing up for them is not the most important thing there is for us as Christians. It's not wrong to do that, but there's a higher purpose and calling that we have that we always need to keep foremost in our minds. And that is to obey the command of our Savior to go and make disciples of all nations. That's a higher order. <laughs> to tell people the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the most important. That's more important than standing up for and appealing to our rights. So just because it isn't wrong for us to appeal to our rights, that doesn't mean that we should always do that. <laughs> And I think that's what's going on here in this passage. In the first instance, Paul and Silas had their rights violated and they appealed to those rights and demanded that the city officials come and publicly release them and escort them out of jail. Basically demanding a pub public admission from them that they were wrong in the course of action they had taken. You see, there was now a group of believers in Philippi who would continue after Paul left they would continue on telling others in the city about Jesus. So by taking this action of appealing to their rights, that would give a, a <laughs> legitimacy <laughs> to that group of Christians, to that church moving forward. They would have this incident in which the city officials admitted that nothing unlawful was taking place. So they would have that backing them as a church as they went forward. 
And hopefully that would remove some barriers for those new Christians there in Philippi. I suspect that was Paul's thinking when he appealed to those rights there in the jail. For the sake of the continued spread of the gospel, he decided he needed to make a stand here. To remove any possible barriers he could for that young church to continue doing their job of sharing the gospel message of Jesus Christ. But then, when the city officials begged them to leave, Paul and Silas and their companions went along with that request. And they left without appealing to their rights to stay there and continue to tell the people about Jesus. Why didn't they stand up for their rights here and just let it slide and left town? Well, <laughs> Paul and Silas had, because they had cast that demon out of that girl, and by so doing cut off the income of their masters, they had stirred up some people against them. And a mob had gathered against Paul and Silas at the city hall. So because of that incident, they now, Paul and Silas, would now be seen by some in Philippi as agitators and divisive people. And that's how they would be viewed no matter what city magistrates decided. So if they stayed, that would likely be a hindrance to the gospel message. So I suspect Paul's thinking here is that for the sake of the gospel, we'll just leave. We have a group of believers there. They'll continue sharing the gospel. But for us, it might do more harm to the gospel than good if we stay because of the way they're being viewed by some people in Philippi. It would be better off for the sake of the gospel if we just left town. We have a group of believers here, they were thinking, I think, that can continue to spread the gospel. They don't have the baggage that we now have in this town. So they let their rights slide, and they left town. So applying that to us today, we need to exercise godly wisdom in when to insist on our rights and when to leave it be. There's a higher purpose for us as Christians that is more important than our rights. And that is the spread of the gospel of Jesus Christ and getting the message out to the people. And to not do anything that would hinder that. Like I said, we need a great deal of, of godly wisdom in navigating this. Uh, in many ways, we as a society today are having to deal with things that Christians have not had to deal with for many generations. We don't have much of a precedent to fall back on. We're, we're walking a road that has not been walked uh, in our society as Christians for many, many generations. There's no cut and dried formula or solution for us to follow. There are times when we need to stand up for our rights. There are times when it's better for the sake of the gospel to just let it slide. There's no formula 
for us to follow in deciding when to stand up and when to let it go. Except that the spread of the gospel is the most important thing. We need godly wisdom. We need godly wisdom. I mean, we as Christians, we need to be very much in tune with the Holy Spirit in walking this path. We need to be secure enough in Jesus Christ, in our relationship with Jesus Christ, that we can let our right slide if we need to. If we are called to make a stand, we need to be sure it's for the right reason. For the furtherance of the gospel, for the spread of the gospel. We need to make sure it's for that reason that we make a stand. And not just for the selfish reason of nobody's going to push me around, I have rights. <laughs> you know, that's kind of a selfish thing. And we need to be strong and mature enough in our faith to do that. Make a stand if it's for the sake of the gospel. And not wimp out. So that's quite a road to walk. That's quite a road to navigate. We need godly wisdom. And that requires that we be godly people. Strong in our knowledge of the word of God. Strong in our own personal Christian maturity. In tune enough with the Holy Spirit to know what he's telling us to do. Godly wisdom. I know you all want an answer here, a cut and dried answer. When this happens, do this. When that happens, no, there is no cut and dried answer. <laughs> There's no formula here. We just need godly wisdom. So therefore, from this, see from this passage, the examples we can learn from in this area of rights and wisdom. Number one, it isn't wrong to appeal to the rights our society give us. In, in fact, there's times when that's what we need to do as Christians. But secondly, we need to exercise godly wisdom in when to insist on our rights and when to leave it be for the sake of the gospel. Like I said at the beginning, it's an interesting sermon. Uh, but one that I think is very relevant to us as Christians and as a church in Canada today. We need much godly wisdom in walking this road we're called to walk. So let's be Christians who are growing in our maturity in our faith. Who are growing in our knowledge of the word of God. Let's be Christians who understand the overriding importance of advancing the gospel message and allow that to be the driving force of our actions. And let's be Christians who daily live according to godly wisdom. Let's take a moment of silence and just open your hearts to the Holy Spirit and allow him to just tell you What's in this passage for you? What's in this passage for me this morning that I can take away from here and take home with me? I'll give you a few moments.
Amen. So in response to that, let's sing a couple songs together. First one is number 46 in your hymn books. It's God Leads Us Along. That's what we're talking about, letting God lead us. And the path God leads us is going to be different. Sometimes it's this way, sometimes it's that way, sometimes it's through good times, sometimes it's through trials. But God leads us. And let's be people who follow God's leading. So number 46 in our hymn books, God Leads Us Along. Let's stand as we sing, please. Hmm? In shady green pastures so rich and so sweet, God leads His dear children along. Where the water's cool flow bathes the weary one's feet, God leads his dear children along. Some through the water, some through the blood, some through the fire, but all through the blood. Some through great sorrow, but God gives the song in the night season and all the day long. Sometimes on the mount where the sun shines so bright, God leads his dear children along. Sometimes in the valley, the darkest of night, God leads his dear children along. Some through the water, some through the flood, some through the fire, but all through the blood. Some through great sorrow, but God gives the song. In the night season and all the day long. Though sorrows befall us and Satan oppose, God leads his dear children along. Through grace we can conquer, defeat all our foes. God leads his dear children along. Some through the water, some through the flood, some through the fire, but all through the blood. Some through great sorrow, but God gives a song in the night season and all the day long. Then over to 359 in your hymn books, 359. Jesus is Lord of all. And let's just remember everything we say and do in our lives, no matter what we're up against. Jesus is Lord. He's the one we get our orders from. He's the one we submit to. All my tomorrows, all my thoughts, Jesus is Lord of all. I've quit my struggles, contentment at last. Jesus is Lord of all. King of kings, Lord of lords, Jesus. 
conflicts, all my thoughts, Jesus is Lord of all. His love wins the battles I could not have fought, Jesus is Lord of all. King of kings, Lord of lords, Jesus is Lord of all. All my possessions and all my life, Jesus is Lord of all. All of my longings, all my dreams, Jesus is Lord of all. All of my failures, His power redeems, Jesus is Lord of all. King of kings, Lord of lords, Jesus is Lord of all. All my possessions and all.